One, two. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jen. That was amazing. Jesus Christ, my living hope. Hallelujah. Come on. Thank you so much. Uh, our live stream is back, eh? We good? Sorry, guys. We cut out there. We had some power issues in the area. Uh, those of you who are staying in this area, please be advised. Apparently, power is out potentially till 2 o'clock. There's a... Oh, 6 o'clock? Never mind. There's a cable that's broken or something. I don't know. But uh, good luck with that. If load shedding wasn't bad enough, now you're permanently loading. It's all good. Praise the Lord. All righty. Are we all good today? Hey, how are you guys doing? It's, is it that time of the year? You know, we're approaching November, December. Everyone's waiting for holiday. Everyone's waiting to take your leave. Am I right? Not really? Anyone? Not really? Look at the person next to you. Ask them, are you awake? Are you on leave early? What's, what's going on? <laughs> All righty. So can I have the graphic up, please? Not that one. The other one. The message graphic. Sorry, Linda. Ah, oh, he, he gave a spoiler. Okay, it's fine. <laughs> All righty. Law versus Lord. Now, that, that title's catchy, hey? Ooh, it's a juicy one, this one. Because uh, I'll tell you one thing. What was juicy was Pastor Tasso last week. Last week. That was... Man, if you guys... You got to go back and watch it. Man, guy was on fire. He was even jumping on the stage here at one stage. I'm like, what is going on? It's amazing. Where's Sorrow? Yeah, that coffee mix that you did there. Next week, even for me, hey? Next week, even for me. It's all good. But this morning, we are talking about law versus Lord, all right? Are you under the law or are you under the Lordship of Jesus, okay? And uh, I tell you what, we were, uh, Deeds mentioned it, you know, he was at the Bri thing uh, last night or whatever. And uh, we were talking about it before we started this morning. And, you know, it's such an amazing thing to think that you're not just saved for eternity, right? But you're saved from every slave, uh, slavery and corruption in this world. You know what I'm saying? And, and it's like if we as believers, sorry, I'm just going to move this a bit forward. It's a bit back now. You know, if we as believers, we don't step up to that and we don't awake to that, like Paul talks about awaking to righteousness, if we don't awake to that, this life that we're going to be living is going to be something so sad and empty and, you know, we're just going to go from one good social experience to the next, achieving one goal to the next. It's going to be something that is really mundane and draining. You know what I'm saying? Because anyone who has been there in life, you know what it's like to chase a goal, you achieve the goal, and you're like, oh. What do I do now? Oh, okay, I've got to make a new goal, so I've got to keep going, you know? And, uh, and the thing is, is that God has not called us to live a life of achievements and progression, right? He's called us to live a life that is experiencing his nature. There's a reason the Bible says that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, okay? It's because God is a perfect state. Say that, say perfect state. Not a government, I mean his nature, his, you know, the state that he's in, okay? Uh, um, he is a perfect state. And when we were dead, because we were separated from God, but now we've been made alive in Christ, he's calling us to experience that continuity of who he is, that continuum. Are you guys with me? Because the principle is that God is. Say that, say God is. Right? It's not God will be. Oh, God was. It is God is because as he is, he is perfection. Amen. So when we think about walking with God and when we think about life with Jesus, right, 
there is this very subtle trap, and I think we have been, we've been hammering it this year a lot, dudes. <laughs> we did the Ego series, we did the Levin series, you know, we did all this stuff. And it's about that paradox, okay, of you being as Christ is, but we're living here in a broken world, right? And oftentimes the, the wires get crossed, you know, the, you get lost in translation because you oftentimes believe that, hey, uh, all these things that we're seeing in the world, it must be because of God. Uh, can't be because all the things that are in the world are not of God. Are you with me? They are of the evil of man, right? The Bible tells us that. The iniquity of man, because man had the opportunity to create the world as God wanted it to be created and, and run, but no, they chose to reject his knowledge, and you guys know the rest of the story, right? So when we're in this process, we tend to have a consciousness of the natural progression, okay? How many of you have ever tried to achieve something that took time? Whether you built something, you studied something, whether it was a fitness goal, whatever it was, right? Um, you do have the sense that you're still getting somewhere. You're still getting somewhere. I'm getting there. I'm getting there. I'm getting there. You guys know what I'm talking about, right? And then you wake up, you wake up the one day and you're like, I don't want to get there anymore. I'm done. And then the next day you're like, oh, I shouldn't have been done, right? That's because it is the curse that is on the world, the death that entered through Adam. Okay, and we feel that in every area of our lives. Are you guys with me? Now, the problem comes in is that when we start walking with God, we think God operates the same way. All right? So we made, we made the statement before, and I don't know who it was. I think it was a, an apologist or maybe someone else. But the Bible tells us that God created man in his image and likeness, Right? Then what did man do? Man turned around and returned the favor. Okay? So when we deal with God, we think God is like us. And God should act with us how we act with ourselves. Right? But God acts with us. He treats us based on himself. Say that. Say, God treats me based on himself. Amen. Now, why does he do that? He does that because he loves you. What? That's how the God kind of love works. Is because the selfless kind of love is that I am going to give to you regardless of whether you think you deserve it or not. That is the God kind of love, agape, right? And when God acts to us in that way, what he's telling us is that he values us. What he's telling us is that he loves us to the point where he gave his life for us. And we understand that that is the message of the gospel. Are you guys with me? So, when we're looking at law versus Lord, right? L-A-W versus L-O-R-D, load. Now you can actually say L-A-W-D, load. No, we can't. Anyway, bad spelling. Right. Are you guys okay? It's tough crowd today. Yeah, okay, there's a bit of a laugh there. Yeah, I'll just keep going. Okay, I'll just keep going. Right, so, <laughs> so when we talk about law versus Lord, you know, Paul makes a statement and he says, for you are no longer... Under law, but you are now under grace, right? So he, 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 he draws this comparison. He makes another statement and he says, listen, the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ, right? Now, the grace of God is something very, what's the word I'm looking for? Crazy, <laughs> right? And I tell you why it's something very crazy is because it is something that is so against any fallen 
part of you. Now listen carefully to what I'm explaining, okay? Because if we don't understand this principle, law versus law, it becomes very difficult, okay? The grace of God, right? Now, a lot of people, I mean, we touched on this a bit on Wednesday at discipleship school, right? You know, where, where people say, oh, you know, your grace is a license to this. And, you know, hey, grace is easy, you know, all that stuff. When you actually break it down, you have to really uh, uh, sober your mind to understand how radical the grace of God is. Because, you see, by the work of Jesus, right, all of us were saved. Do you agree? Up until that point, we only had our own works that we felt good, that we felt complete, we felt safe, you know, all this sort of stuff. So we agree that the system always worked with works, right? And up until Christ had finished his work on the cross, right, the only thing people had was the physical things they did. So we know that the the Israelites, they they sacrificed uh, all their offerings and, you know, they said their prayers, you know. Um, In today's world, it looks very different. People have money, they have careers, they have, you know, whatever it is, right? But grace is this principle, and this is why it's so radical, is that if you choose to accept the grace of God, to truly walk in it, right, you cannot do it without faith. Because grace does not allow any space for your work. All right? So... It goes like this. If you accept the grace of God shown to us through Jesus Christ, right, what needs to happen is that everything that you did in your life to have confidence, you need to stop that. That's what it means. It means now that if you choose to walk in the grace of God, then you need to look to Jesus and with faith in your heart, trust in your heart through the love that he has shown to you, You say, I believe, Lord. Okay. So whatever I used to do before to gain confidence in life, I'm no longer doing anything, any of those things. I am now only gaining confidence based on what you've done for me. Now, however that message gets preached and gets distorted along the way, okay, at the core of it, that's what it comes to. So even if people saying like grace is a license to sin, you know, whatever. Listen, you were getting confidence in something in whatever you were doing that was not in line with God's word. You were getting something from it. But if you choose to believe in the grace that God has given you through Jesus Christ, what that means is, is that you are taking the decision to disconnect from everything in the physical realm, right? People, money, food, whatever. Everything in the physical realm And you are now saying, Lord, I am anchoring everything on you. The only thing that I get confidence in this life is that I am yours. End of story. That is the only thing. Now, I don't know about you guys, but God is calling us to climatize to a dimension, right, which is the spirit of God, the spiritual realm. Climatize to a dimension that we we know nothing about when we get saved. You know what I'm saying? It's like... Uh, I felt something in my heart. Okay, uh, this is very warm and fuzzy. I feel loved. I feel amazing. What now, Jesus? <laughs> you know? And you begin this journey and you go and you learn how uh, uh, God has prescribed us to live life. You learn that, geez, okay, flip. I was doing it completely differently. This is a whole new way to do it, right? And you start climatizing and then you start experiencing God more and more in your heart, you know? Um, I, remember, I remember, Kirk, you, you shared with me, uh, I think it was last year sometime, you know, um, that on your walk, and you were just talking about the peace, 
You know, it's like a peace you can't explain. And even though you feel the friction in the physical, you feel the friction in the emotions, there's, there's just that peace in your heart that you just know, man, hey, everything is chilled because God's got me. He's alive in my heart. Are you with me? So we go on this journey to climatize to that thing. But what tends to happen is that when we refuse to acknowledge what God is offering to us, we take all that other dead stuff with us, right? We take all that dead stuff with us, and what we do is, is that we try and make the dead stuff fit in as obedience to God. Now, obedience, oh, man. You know what Jen said, when was it? Was it two weeks ago when you said, you know, like, like uh, this church is like Mythbusters church, you know? <laughs> It's like, <laughs> you know, we like, we like dispel all the mysticism. It's not us. It's, we're just reading the Bible, okay? <laughs> but, um, you know, that word obedience, right? Please help me this morning. Anyone, when you hear the word obedience, you want to share the feeling it gives you? <laughs> Performance? And I mean, it all starts with our parents. Where's my mom? I love your mom. But yes, when I was disobedient, whew, praise the Lord. <laughs> but obedience is one of those buzzwords, right? Even to the point today where preachers don't even mention obedience because they don't even know how the congregation is going to take it. Because they don't even explain it properly anyway, you know? But obedience was always taken with performance. Is that if I obey, I'm valuable. If I obey, I'm righteous. If I, if I obey, I have favor. If I obey, I'm a good Christian. Hmm. Now, if we look at it, that principle of being in the grace of God and understanding where I get my confidence from, do you know how often we take confidence from our obedience? Not just with God, with anything in life, right? When there, when you see that blue and yellow cars and they say, you're going to know, I, I, I renewed my license, I'm okay. I paid my fines. I was wearing my seatbelt. Come, officer, come. Then you open the window. Hello, ma'am, how are you? They're like, yeah, how are you doing, sir? You know? You're happy. You're doing well. Ah, let them pull you over. When one taillight is not working. Or you know you got that notice in the mail. Flip pay this fine, final notice. You're like, oh, jeez. You guys know what I'm talking about? Hey? What? <laughs> Praise the Lord. That was a word from the Lord for you, Allah. That's it. <laughs> but do you guys understand what I'm saying? You know, I mean, if you're at work and you go into the, the weekly meeting or whatever, you're sitting chilled. I did all my work. Look, everything's ticked. It's all good. We get such confidence from performance, right? And because we experience it in the physical every single day, because the world is run on performance. It is. Is that if you don't do well, you're not going to live a good life. That's the world system. You have to do well right? If you don't, you're not going to have a good life. But God's saying, listen, I've done well. Come and experience my life, right? Now, we have to d disclaimer this every single time. That doesn't mean you don't do anything, guys. It means now that your motive for doing things is now in freedom. You see, anything that you're doing to change your vision of yourself or your security with God or anything like that, right, that's not in line with the finished work of Jesus, you're not free. Are you with me? God called us to be free, and 
Freedom is actually the key to a pure heart. Because the only heart that's distorted in the Bible is the one that is seeking to serve itself. You study it. It's in Romans and it's in Hebrews. Paul explained that they, were, they had sinful, unbelieving hearts because they were filled with labors and annoyances and burdens on how they can please themselves. To the point where they even said, take us back to Egypt, Moses. Just sand everywhere, young yeah, man. I've got sand in my shoes. I've got sand in my pillowcase. What the flip? Right? That is what a heart that isn't pure is, right? It's a heart that's seeking to serve itself. It's a heart that is looking for something to fulfill them in the carnal instead of looking to be fulfilled in Jesus. Are you with me? Now, when we look at law versus Lord, do you realize, right, and in your personal life, I'm telling you now in the church as it stands, there is no distinction between the two. Why do I say that? Because they will give you the law. You got to do good. Right? And then they'll tell you, oh, listen, Jesus may be your savior, but is he your Lord? Like, oh, what that means, pastor? No, you must just obey him. But that's what the Lord's telling me. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's the Lord of the law. Oh, so it's actually law versus law then. Are you guys with me? Right? Is there a distinction between the two? That's the question we need to ask. Is there? Because whenever I've heard messages about Lord, and even to this point when you hear messages about Lord, it's like, listen, that guy's running at 1,000 kilometers an hour. You better follow him or you're going to fry. End of story. Don't even miss one step or you're done. That's the typical teaching on Lord, right? But when we look biblically about how the word Lord is used, it's actually something that someone who is under law cannot experience. Write this down. This is the punchline for today. <laughs> if you are under the law, you can never experience the power of lordship. Right? Bash, what are you talking about? Good question, guys. Okay. So, we're going to look at some, some words this morning. Are you guys cool with that? Okay, whether you're cool or not, it's fine. We'll just carry on. It's okay. <laughs> so, we're going to look at some words this morning. Now, Lord, now you guys know it's, it's, it's used uh, uh, um, in the New Testament and the Old Testament, okay? Now, in the Old Testament, we had Lord, uh, um, yud Vavhe, vav hey, Yahweh, Elohim, right? Uh, and then we had Adonai. All right, in the New Testament, we've got uh, a Lord, um, which is Kyrios, I think, yeah. So as Paul says, listen, you know, in the beginning of all his letters, he says, Paul, a servant of Christ, an apostle called to the Gentiles. You know, a testimony of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, you know, all this stuff. And there's this whole theological debate about, you know, is Christ your Lord and is he your Savior? There is a difference. We're going to go into it, right? But the principle of Lord, uh, when the Bible was written, Old Testament and New, always speaks of owner. What do you mean? That's what it speaks of. It speaks of owner, right? Specifically in the New Testament. So here's the word, the specific word. It says, to whom a person or thing belongs, about which he has power of deciding, right? Uh, a possessor and dispossessor of things, the owner, one who has control of the person, the master, right? 
uh, in the Roman state, the sovereign prince, chief, or Roman emperor. And it's a title of honor, expressive of respect and reverence, reverence, with which servants greet their master, right? Also the title given to God, the Messiah. Now, here's the thing, guys. When we talk about master, okay, do you think of ego? You know ego? Master, you know? Do you think of that? Do you think of master who's constantly beating their servants? When you think of having a master, do you think of servants' quarters in the backyard down there, you know, all that sort of stuff? What picture do you get when you think of master? Because if that picture's incorrect, every time you read about Jesus being Lord, you're going to have a problem. You see, you can never, ever, ever link Jesus being Lord as being costly. I'm going to show you why now in the Hebrew, right? You can never link it with him uh, being Lord as him being costly, right? Some of us, when we think master, we think of our bad bosses. It's like, yeah, he's my master. No, he's my boss. No. That's us creating God in our image. Are you with me? You know, when, uh, when the woman was caught in adultery, okay? You guys know that story? So the law brought her out. Boom. There they were standing. We caught this woman. Jesus is like, really? Where's the guy you caught her with? She was by herself in adultery. What's happening? You know? Anyway, they say that they say the law of Moses demands that we stone her. So Jesus is like, geez, I agree. You guys are right. Then he starts drawing some puppies in the sand there, you know. Nice sunset. And he stands up and he says, okay, cool. No, listen, you guys are 100% right. You without sin cast the first stone. Then they were like, yeah. Wait, hold on. Yeah? They stood there for a while and then one by one they started going away. He just carried on in the sand. I don't know what he was doing. But he stands up and then they're all gone. Now, it wasn't just them that brought him because remember how it used to work was that when the, the, the Pharisees gave a decree, the whole community came in. It was like, boom. That was it. We're also going to be part. Yeah. They all walked away. Street was empty. Jesus was there alone. He says, woman, where's your, where's your accuser? She gets up. She looks. And she says, I have none, Lord. What does he say to her? He says, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Now, right there and then is a distinction between law and Lord. Because you see, the principle of the law that we have been explaining is that, and Tasso touched on it last week as well, is that the law just shows you the direction. It has no way to empower you. Why are you trying to live it? And not just the law of Moses, legalism. Do you know you can be legalistic in your freedom? What does that mean? It means that the only way you can be free is if you are practicing freedom. So even when freedom looks like something terrible and dangerous to you, you'll go and do that just so you can experience freedom. What are you doing? You're serving yourself. You're trying to be free legalistically. Freedom's a person. Peace is a person. Joy is a person. Righteousness is a person. Are you guys with me? So this principle of Lord and law, the law shows the way. There's the template. This is it, guys. This is the standard. But what the law failed to do, Christ came to fulfill. 
right? What does that mean? He is the standard. He's the standard fulfilled. But the difference between Lord and law is that the Lord empowers you to experience the standard. Are you guys with me? Amen. So when we think of Lord, Master, all that stuff, right? There's this principle that Paul uses when he talks about himself. We, you know, he says, no, I'm a servant of Christ. And we think, oh, that's a heavy one, eh? Because the first thing you think about in a servant is that, okay, you can't do what you want. You must do what the master says, you know? Like, that's it. No, 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 hold on. What he was talking about was something called a bond servant. You guys ever heard of that? Right? It means someone who is free. But because of value for the master, they choose to stay. That means I can go. You, it, oh, wait. You know what's a good example? Have you guys ever watched Aladdin? Hello? Yeah. Aladdin? Okay. I'm not going to say the Holy Spirit is like a blue genie. Don't worry. We'll leave that for America. Right. What I'm going to say is, is that you remember at the end of the movie, and then genie's like, okay, Al, what's your third wish? And then Aladdin's like, genie, I wish for you to be free. And he's like, your wish. And you know, he gets like all like sad. He's like, what? You wish for my freedom. And then genie goes crazy. What does genie do afterwards? He comes back and he stays. Right? He's free, but he comes back and he stays. Why? Because he loves L. Are you with me? This is the illustration. Now, I'm using a cartoon, I know, right? But basic principle, this is the illustration that, spo- that Paul spoke about himself when it came to his walk with God. He says, listen, man, he's made me free. To the point where he told the Corinthians, he said, listen, anything is permissible, guys. You're free to be free. You can do what you want to do, but not all is beneficial. He's making the case to say that, listen, yes, Christ has set me free, but I know the only place I'm going to find life is in him. Are you guys with me? Now, an interesting thing about the Hebrew Adonai. Go back there, Dil. Linda, you came here now. What's happening? Oh, okay. All right. Can everyone see that? You guys can put on the stream as well. Lord Adonai. You know, like, when you watch, uh, like, certain, you know, uh, Hebrew adaptations, like, movies and, or whatever, videos and stuff, you know when they say Adonai, you're like, <sighs> you know, it, like, sounds so, like, oh, there's so much love in it, like, oh, my gosh, <laughs> it's amazing, right? But um, we would have to, for those of you who don't know, in the Hebrew language, it's quite a fascinating language, right? Because every letter has a picture, uh, a number, and it's got a musical note, you know? So when God, like, put that language together, it was like, geez, okay, ultra language, right? But these are the symbols for uh, Adonai, which is Lord, all right, in Hebrew. Now, when you actually go back in the Old Testament, I mentioned there you get uh, Yahweh, right, Lord, you get uh, Elohim, Lord in there, and then obviously Lord, small l-o-r-d, is this one, okay, in the Old Testament. And it's so amazing that when you go back and you read through the books, not everyone addressed God as this, it was only a few. It was Abraham. It was Moses. It was Joshua. You know, it was a few of them who addressed God as Adonai, right? Because here's the thing, right? If you say Elohim, if you say Yeshua, Jesus, if you say Yahweh, whichever name we're going to connect with over there, we realize that there is an inherent acknowledgement that God is God. And one day, One day when he shows up and the Bible says that every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess that he is Lord, right, has not got to do with them accepting it in their hearts. It's got to do with them looking at him and be like, yeah, 
Yeah, that dude is, he's the one. Yeah. Whether they know it in their heart or not, it's because of the nature of God. It's who he is. His very nature commands that we worship him because he's perfect. He's the creator of heaven and earth, the beginning, the end. All these things the Bible tells us about him, right? But this word here goes beyond that. You see, it's one thing to be a Christian and just walk with, you know, knowledge of, oh, Jesus. Yeah, yeah, he saved my life, man. He paid the price, you know. Do you know him? Yeah, 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 yeah. He's the guy. He went to the cross, you know. He, yeah, yeah. Okay, oh, well, do you walk with him? Do you? Yeah, no, I do everything he says I must do. Um, okay, that's cool, yeah. But then you get the other guy who actually knows Jesus. You get the guy who sees that, oh, my gosh, this is God who came and gave his life for me. But the reason he gave his life was so that my heart and his heart could be one. Now, every single one of us here have the choice about how we want to acknowledge God. But this is the one he's inviting us to. Are you with me? And I'll explain this now, all right? So, from right to left, Adonai. Okay, so now in Hebrew, you write right to left. I don't know why. You just do it. Okay, so we have uh, uh, those four symbols, right? We have Aleph. Everyone say Aleph. We have Dalet. We have Nun. <laughs> and we have Vav. Okay, so now, this is the images. So when, when they said Lord, okay, when they were addressing God and they say Adonai, all right, this is the images that they carried in their heart. So Aleph, all right, is a picture of uh, uh, a leader, right? A strong leader or leadership, okay? Dalet, the second one, okay, is, uh, it represents a, a door or a pathway, a house, a tent that you're walking through, Okay? Nun, right, is always the symbol of life because it means seed. Are you with me? Nun is, is the symbol of a seed, right? It always represents life. And yut always symbolizes hand or work, all right? So here's the thing, guys. When they said Adonai, what they were actually saying is that you are the one who leads me on the pathway to life by my hand. Now listen, if you have any inkling or any performance-based understanding of Jesus Christ being your Lord, you need to get rid of it. It's not biblical, right? Because the law was given as performance measure. Christ didn't come to be a performance measure for you. And you look at every person who Jesus healed, I mean Mary Magdalene with the demons, you know, when she had the demons cast out of her, she dropped everything. Boom. I am following this man to the point where she was the one in the garden. She rocked up there. She saw that, hey, where's this bra? I don't know. We just heard a noise, you know. And then Jesus rocks up. He's like, who are you looking for? <laughs> I'm looking for you, Wena. What are you, <laughs> you know. But she gave up her entire life to follow him. All of the disciples, they're busy working. Jesus says, come, I'll make you fishes of men. What does that mean? I don't know. It sounds like it's new. Maybe we'll get rich. Let's go. No, that's not the point. They recognized him as the one who's going to lead them on the pathway of life. 
Are you with me? We cannot, church, and, and this is important now because, go back to the other screen, uh, the other graphic though. Law versus law. That's why I made that statement earlier. If you are under the law, if you have any legalism in your life, you must understand that you are forfeiting the beauty of lordship. Are you with me? You're forfeiting it because in your heart, God needs to be the only source of good. And not the only so- just the only source of good, right? He needs to be the only source of good who freely gives to you. Because every other thing that we've defined as good in our lives costs us. Do you want to go to lunch after church? Yeah, you're going to pay the bill. Don't forget your 10%. Gratuity. Right? TV license renewals are coming up. <laughs> I got that email yesterday. I just laughed. I'm like, suckers. Yes. Winner. Anyway. Um, but he must be the only source of good. Now, here's the thing, right? This is why I had to open with grace being radical. Because here's, here's the thing. Even if we have the logic, but how can it just be that? How can it just be that it's Christ's work and then I need to receive from God and I need to follow him so he can lead me to what life is? How can it just be that? That's why you are saved by grace through faith. Because you see, grace being God's ability, you're saved by his ability through what? Through believing that that's the only way. That's why Paul says, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is from faith to faith. Not faith to works, or faith to trying, or faith to effort, or faith to all these things. Faith to faith, meaning what? It starts by faith, and it ends by faith. If you truly want to experience the benefit of walking with God, you need to drop the legalism. You need to drop the legalism. Why did God, why was God able to say to Abraham, Abraham, wake up, pack up your stuff. I'll take you to the place. I'll, I'll show you where to go. You think he needed a long case? You think he needed, oh Lord, but what about my lands? What about, you know, how are we going to sell this? Where are we going to stay? Our passport's ready, you know, all this. No. Abraham knew he was seeking the creator of the moon that he worshipped. God appeared to him, and he was like, you're the dude. Nothing else matters in life. You see, because the minute you separate the obedience from walking with God, the minute you base it purely on his unconditional love, you realize that the performance, the legalism, the insecurities, all that stuff was your own. It was never something that God created. Are you guys with me? So when we're talking about Lord, guys, the image we must have is that he is the one who leads me through the doorway on the path of life. Amen? Matthew 6.33. We'll close with this. Are you guys getting something this morning? And it's a hectic one, guys. It's, it, grace is radical. It's like, I feel condemned. It's fine. Look, there's the blood. But what about my feeling? There's the blood. Focus on the blood. I'm not good enough. There's the blood. I don't feel confident. There's the blood. Look to the blood. Because what does the blood testify? Is that you are now justified. Amen? Check this out. There's the blood. Anyway, yeah. Now this is a famous one. We love this one. But... 
Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. All right, a bit of Greek here. But seek first his kingdom. Everyone say kingdom. Right. Now, the interesting thing, that word basileia or vasileia. Vasi, no, I'm kidding. Um, basileia, right? It's root word. You'd never believe what it actually means. It is the image of a father walking side by side, taking his child's hand and leading them. You think that's by coincidence? No. Jesus is trying to explain here, right? If you want to be in the kingdom, acknowledge the king. Don't decide for yourself how you're going to please the king. That's what happened to Cain and Abel. Cain's like, ah. I'm sure God will be happy with this. You know, Abel knew, right? Don't decide for yourself because if you have accepted the grace, you need to accept the truth that there is only one way God's going to be happy. There's only one way that I'm saved. One. There's only one way that I keep my salvation. One. Look at the blood. Are you guys with me? That's what it is, guys. Now listen. As a believer, and, and these, I think maybe we must play that song in, in church and actually give an example of this, you know? But you remember that song you sent me about how, yeah, you know? So, so this lady's singing about how good God is and everything. But in the meantime, she's also saying, like, listen, so I don't care about Christians and stuff, whatever. Let me just live my life, whatever. Jesus loves me. You're 100% right. And you've got freedom to do that. But I tell you one thing. If you're going to forfeit knowing him in this life, that day when you walk into heaven, where the rest of us who knew him in this life are going to be smiling and entering into the joy of our Lord, Jesus is going to be patting you on the back and say, listen, it's okay, you're with me now. Jesus, for my whole life, Jesus, my whole life. It's like, they tried to tell you, but it's fine, you're with me. It's cool. Now, to some people, that's not a consequence that scares them, you know? And the only reason it doesn't scare them is because they haven't tasted the nature of God. I promise you. You guys understand what I'm saying? When we think of Lord, we need to say, if you are the master, then I need to do it your way. If you are the master, I believe fully in my heart, I'm going to put my hand in yours and you're going to lead me to good. You're going to lead me to exactly what life is. And I can't add to your way. I'm doing it your way. Are you guys with me? When you are in legalism, you are forfeiting the beauty of Jesus being your Lord. Amen. Give God a praise. Come on. So every head bowed, every eye closed. Bash, you actually didn't speak too long this morning. Well done. (laughs) Thank you, Holy Spirit. So if you're sitting here this morning and you heard this message, and yes, uh, there there was a lot of myths to be busted and there was a lot of uh, definitions to be corrected, but we'll be breaking it down more and more over the weeks. But if you're sitting here this morning and you realize and you say, yes, you know what? Man, I thought God was just this ridiculous taskmaster. I thought he was, he was someone that I just had to keep up with. Well, friend, you were, you were under legalism, right? That's just the truth of it. You know, when you talk about master and you talk about Lord, part of the definition is that he is one who can decide as he wills. And that's true of God. But through his son, Jesus, he has made his decision clear. He's made his decision known to every single person. 
that he's not going to disregard you. He's made it known that through the blood of Jesus, we have an absolute assurance that we will stand with God one day in heaven. Even more so that even in this life, we will experience God daily if we just open up our hearts to him. So right now with what you've heard this morning, this message touched you this morning and you were saying, geez, man, I, I, I was feeling weighed down. I was feeling weighed down. If I'm not experiencing rest, I thought it was because I'm not meeting God's standard. No. If you're not experiencing rest, if you're not experiencing peace and joy in your heart, it's because of legalism. It's not because of God. It's because you're holding onto a way that God has not prescribed. The only way that he has prescribed is his son. So if there's anyone here this morning you haven't, you haven't uh, um, committed to Jesus, you haven't made the decision that, you know what, you're going to follow him, you're going to do it his way. If you want to recognize this morning that he is the Lord, that he is where true life is, while every head is bowed and every eye is closed, just slip your hand up. We want to help you. We want to pray with you afterwards just to give you some support, some guidance. And for the rest of you, while all that's happening, just right now, while Jared plays, just take a couple of minutes and just, just work through what was spoken about this morning. Just check it in your own heart. It's like, yes, Lord, do I really think that, do I feel like you're an evil taskmaster? Do I feel like I can't measure up? Do I feel like I'm, I'm always keeping up? Do I feel like I'm so far away? Acknowledge, listen, I'm, I'm under law. I'm in legalism here, man. I've got to put my faith fully in Jesus. Fully, fully, fully in Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Father, I thank you for every person who heard this message this morning, Lord. We just want to say that we are so grateful that you are the one true living God. We are so grateful that you are good to us. We are thankful for your love and your grace and your mercy, Lord. We thank you so much that you came and paid a price that we weren't willing to pay ourselves. We thank you so much that you gave us a judgment, that you gave us a death in place of our own, Father. This morning, Lord, I pray that every person who heard this message, Lord, I pray that they, they take it to heart, Lord, and they make the decision to trust in you. Not just in you, Lord, but only in you, Father. To take your word with faith, Lord, to, to trust it and to live it out. To walk every day in your grace, Father. Only in your grace. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, give God a praise.